The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's out with the old and in with the new. Goodbye clouds of gray, hello skies of blue. I dip in the pool, I trip to the spa. Endless days in my chaise, the whole world according to moi. Excuse me. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer's Block podcast. Of course, you already know this is the Writer's Block hosted by parts one of one, and we are a whole, and technically it should be half and a half, but we don't do that. We are just one whole here at the Writer's Block. Brandon Laurie, that is at Brandon is right on Twitter because he's always right. And again, if you know, you already know it's W-R-I-T-E because he writes and he is just right about what he writes. Uh, I'm Jess Navarez. I am uh, sailing the ship today, if you will. So you're going to hear a little bit more of me. That's at Jess Navarez underscore on Twitter. But Brandon, you know what? It amazes me what can happen in a week and the conversations we have before we start recording. All the things that just happen. I mean, Wow. What a week, right? Like, it felt like a slow football week, but that doesn't make up for the fact that a lot can still happen in a week. Yeah, definitely. I think, it, personally, it was it was a busy week. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 the second time, so that was a fantastic movie. Of course, I'm, uh, we don't have the video part of this, but I'm sporting a Marvel t-shirt, so uh, fantastic movie. I know we talked about you potentially seeing it. You definitely have to if you haven't. Uh, and then moving. That's always uh, not fun. Um, I can 10 out of 10 not recommend doing it last minute um, as opposed to social media. Uh, it was sort of just kind of last minute thrown together, but we did it. It's finally over, done, and now I don't have to worry about that. Now I just need to get in the process of fixing up the apartment, fixing up the house, getting things unboxed, and uh, that's always the most fun when you have to unbox everything you just put the work into of boxing. So overall, like I said, uh, would not recommend, but if you have to, just get it done and over with. Rip it off like a Band-Aid. Uh, so while co- Cowboys content isn't happening and going on, uh, it never stops for us personally. And we still have things going on, too, that are just as frustrating sometimes as the Cowboys can be. Oh, man. Moving is rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely don't recommend if you don't have to. But, yeah, moving is rough. And just, no, once it's all done, it's going to be worth it. Oh, There's yeah. your last half full for the day. And once you get to the redecorating part of it, I, I think that's when it gets a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, and that, I say that very lightly because nothing about moving is fun, but you're through the worst of it. So that's good news there. Um, and yeah, I, you're right. Our personal lives keep on going. 
even though the Cowboys content is a little slow right now, I went back home for the weekend. So as you guys know, that means a nine hour drive to Las Cruces, New Mexico, and then back with my two dogs. Let me just say, it's always fun when you have to get down at the gas station with them. It is always a good time. Uh, And when I say that, I am obviously being sarcastic because it is not a good time. And um, highly don't recommend traveling with your two dogs and uh, driving. That's, That's not fun, but they're cute. People love to look at them and pet them at the gas station. They get all the love. They get all the attention. You know, they love that. But um, you were in the I car. For, I was going to say you were in the car for 18 hours. I'd much rather move yeah. uh, in one day and not have to drive that much. Uh, yeah. And it's like when you have the two dogs, it's like you're, you're riding around with two kids. Um, and the worst part is they don't yeah. even listen to you, too. So, uh, yeah, they, you know what? They don't. They yeah. they run the show. They do what they want. And with being a big puppy that doesn't know he's as big as he is just is always fun to deal with in general so even more fun uh when we're not home and we're at gas stations uh, driving back home but love the dogs love the family time i got out of the weekend and uh you already know i love seeing the nephews and spending time with them as well so With all that being said, things are slowly but surely going to start picking up, not just in all things Dallas Cowboys, but across the NFL in general, because guess what starts this week? Any guesses? Any guesses? Uh, No. uh, OTAs. Correct. (laughs) I mean, I was letting, like, the the listeners guess. It was like Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I will not be singing the backpack song, but... Um, I will make this as interactive as it possibly can. So if you're talking to yourself in traffic, like that's what it is. It's okay. Um, yeah, OTA week is officially this week. And just as a reminder, uh, across the board for NFL teams, there's certain dates that OTAs can happen. So that's going to be May 22nd through 23rd, May 25th, May 30th, June 1st, and June 2nd, as well as June 15th through, or excuse me, June 13th through the 15th. So just very um, exciting that we're finally seeing the wheels start to turn a little bit more with the more fast-paced start um, of the offseason, right? Because up until this, it was only rookie minicamp, and then now we're in OTAs. So um, exciting stuff there. But uh, Brandon and I started this new series a couple of weeks ago. I was unfortunately not with you guys last week because the Dallas Stars uh, are in the Western Conference final right now. And so if you don't know, I do some work with them during game night. So I have to be at the Stars games and I love it. But I don't love when I have to miss the podcast for that. That was not fun. I did miss you guys last week. Well, but you also you brought the good luck, clearly, because they ended up winning and moving on. So I think you it was a necessity for you to be there for all Dallas Stars fans, for everybody in Dallas. So I think, honestly, we didn't need you because you were more important and, and more deserving of being somewhere else. It was fun. I will say I really enjoy my work um, with the Stars. It was a great game, too, overall. Yeah, awesome. you know what? Every Stars game, 10 out of 10 would recommend if you ever get the chance to go to a Stars game, go. Um, Obviously, I grew up just football only because in Las Cruces, there's no hockey. I mean, there's no ice. How is there going to be hockey uh, if there's no ice? And so hockey is really a new sport for me. And so this is my second season with the Stars. I really took it upon myself to actually learn what hockey is, the rules, all the things. And it's so much fun to watch, guys. If you're not watching hockey please do yourself the favor and get into hockey specifically be a Dallas stars fan because they are the best 
obviously, um, the only green I will wear is victory green. But let's move on because, like I said, Brandon and I started this new series that we're going to continue to do through this offseason, giving essentially the grades to the positions within the Cowboys roster. And so this week, you know, it was only fitting that it was my turn to kind of steer the boat and decide which position we do next. And to nobody's surprise, we're going to talk about the tight ends today. And we're going to get right to it because, Brandon, we've already been talking, and I just know we're going to get the tweets about the sidebar <laughs> conversations. Yeah, Like, exactly. I can feel the tweets being written already too uh, much. as we're listening to this. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry, we're humans. Um, all right. So we are going to take a look at the tight ends this week. Keep in mind your current tight end roster uh, is Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Sean McEwen, Luke Schoonmaker, and uh, Brandon's personal favorite, Seth Green. <laughs> not who, the comedian. Not the comedian. That's, I swear he just loves it for that alone. Yeah. But uh, we're going to be talking about the tight end room. So let's start with a couple things to keep in mind from last season. The Cowboys' total receiving yards from last season, they had 3,911. 577 of which were from Dalton Schultz, uh, who had the second most overall. 172 of which were from Jake Ferguson, who had the sixth most overall. 103 from Peyton Hendershot, the eighth most overall. And then 11 of which were from Sean McEwen, the 14th uh, most overall. So here's the thing. I'm talking about this because we know what an integral part this tight end room is not only just continue to play throughout the past couple of seasons specifically, but what we're looking at for this upcoming season. And a big part of that, well, is in scoring points. So last year, the Cowboys had a total of 467 points, which, wow. And by the way, just want to throw that out there for all you Brett Maher truthers like us. He's on the top of that list with 137 points. We're not going to talk about that today. Not the point, but I just want to throw that out there. Um, Go Brett Maher. But as for the tight ends, they scored a total of 60 points total as a group uh, last season. Dalton Schultz had 30 points, so that's five touchdowns if you don't want to do the math there. Uh, Peyton had 18 points, and then Jake Ferguson had 12 points as well. And throughout this offseason, I'm sure you all have heard, um, whether it be on podcasts or articles you're reading or tweets or just really anywhere in the Cowboys universe about the loss of Dalton Schultz to the Texans. And what a big deal this is, because I I think he is somebody that we've taken for granted uh, really the last five years, because even looking at his numbers, going back to 2018, he had 116 receiving yards. Uh, 2019, he only had six, which I thought was a little bit odd. But then he skyrocketed into glory 2020. He had 615. 2021, he had 808. And then 2022, he had 577. So let's talk about this first, Brandon, because obviously we can't assess the tight end room what it is now without acknowledging Dalton Schultz's loss Does it worry you really just listening to all the numbers, seeing all those for what it is specifically just last season and writing off of that success and hopefully exceeding it? Does it worry you that Dalton Schultz is no longer part of that tight end room? Yeah, I think anybody who logically wants to think about this without going into the fandom of everything, like, listen, everybody's excited that Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson are going to step into this role. Hopefully one one of them, if not both, kind of comes out on top. But 
Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz really started developing a chemistry back in 2020. Blake Jarwin, of, of course, was supposed to be like the lead guy. He goes down with the injury. Dalton Schultz kind of comes in and kind of comes out of nowhere. And then 2021, he had his breakout season, got franchise tagged. And then in 2022, of course, injuries played a factor into his season, but still had a productive season when he came back. And of course, in the playoffs, he was phenomenal, especially in the Tampa Bay game. Um, Dak and him have just developed this really great chemistry. So when that disappears and the Cowboys already struggled with the wide receiver room last year, you do wonder if there's going to be a drop off. You know, Dak has to find a new guy, a new security blanket. And we hope that that's CeeDee Lamb, you know, working in the offseason, trying to keep developing that chemistry to be the number one guy. Maybe it develops into being Brandon Cooks, of course, Michael Gallup. But then you hope it does become a Jake Ferguson or a Peyton Hendershot, Luke Schoonmaker, all these guys who are going to be involved. But when you think about it and when you lose all that production, of course, you're want left wondering, OK, is this going to impact the team? And we know that with Mike McCarthy, he talks about the tight end being a very important part of the offense, not only with West Coast, but also with Mike McCarthy and how he wants to run this team as well. So, yeah, it's a little bit of concern, but I wouldn't say if they didn't draft anybody, if we didn't have the Cowboys didn't have Hendershot or Ferguson, I think it really would be a five alarm fire, especially with Dalton Schultz only signing a one year deal. I think if you brought him back for that amount, if things really just didn't work out for him with a long-term deal, you bring him back similar to what people have been talking about with Ezekiel Elliott. You just let him test the market, see what happens. I remember it happened similarly with Terrence Williams where he went out, the Cowboys let him test the market, and then he ended up coming back to a team-friendly deal. And it was multi-year, but if the Cowboys want to bring him back for one year, I was all for it. But the fact that they have two guys already in the wings, you have a rookie that you drafted, I think they're better off than what I thought they would be. But it definitely is just a little concerning, but it's a wait and see. I'm not going to definitely kill him for it right now. So on a scale of one to 10, where are you with your concern? One being zero, I don't really care about this. Why are you bringing this up? And then 10 obviously being like the roof is on fire. All hell is breaking loose. Everything is wrong. What is going on? Where are you on that scale? I would say a five because people have to remember Hendershot and Ferguson, one was a fourth-round pick, the other one was an undrafted free agent. They had limited snaps and limited roles last year, and while they really flashed and showed signs of being developmental guys, you don't know what you're going to get in year two. Jalen Tolbert was a third-round draft pick, and he did not perform well, and we've talked about that at length, especially last week when Howman was on. Um, and I have confidence for Tobel, Tol Tolbert to get back to normal, um, just like I have confidence in the other two guys stepping up, but it's still left to be unknown. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, they only had, I believe, under 30 you know, receptions be between the two of them, you know, under 500 yards between the two of them. So to try and duplicate that pr production from Dalton Schultz and what he had, we saw how long it took him to develop into the lead guy. It took up until year three, year four. So is that going to happen with these two? We don't know. So I'm just going to leave it at a five because I'm confident that they will take that step. But I'm also leaving enough room where if it doesn't happen, it's not like we're just completely shocked that it doesn't. Good answer. I love that. Well, as Sharpay Evans once said in High School Musical 2, out with the old, in with the new. Goodbye. <laughs> Clouds of gray. Hello, skies of blue. We're going to move on to what your current Cowboys tight end roster looks like. And we're going to break it all down. All the four horsemen and Seth Green, of course, we're not going to leave him out um, because Brandon really, really just <laughs> hit me hard with that uh, in our pre uh, <laughs> podcast discussion. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just kidding. He really, he really didn't. But let's start with Jake Ferguson. Obviously, he is the top of conversations right now when you're talking about tight ends um, within the Dallas Cowboys. How exactly do you think Jake 
needs to perform to exceed his success from last season, which again, the bar was pretty low. And and that's not to knock on Jake or anything, but the bar was low considering you had Dalton Schultz, who was your franchise tag guy. He was obviously tight end one. And then in comes uh, Jake Ferguson. What does he have to do to exceed those expectations that he created for himself last season? I think if he gets the starting role, that is well beyond expectations. I mean, I remember the season when Jason Witten left the next guy who was the starter for that season before Blake Jarwin, before Dalton Schultz kind of took over is Jeff Swaim. I remember Jeff Swaim was sort of like the first guy that was kind of into that role. And he even talked about, you know, following Witten's footsteps and everything. And of course, Witten kind of came back afterwards. But I just think that when you look at where Ferguson was last year, I think that the the expectations really shouldn't be super high because, again, he was a fourth-round draft pick. We saw a previous fourth-round draft pick in Schultz take a while to develop. And it, the reason why he was taken where he was is because of the talent and the stuff that he showed in college. And, you know, there are a lot of guys who go way below where they should be. And you hear about all these stories of a Tom Brady, of course, a Richard Sherman being in the fifth round of just guys who were drafted so late. And it's just why, you know, five years later, how could this guy have ever gone in the fourth round? And we'll see if Ferguson turns into that. But right now, I just think if he gets the starting role coming out of training camp, if he's the guy, he's, you know, on the depth chart, number one, I think that's a win for him overall because of where he was last year. I do think that if he has, you know, he had 174 yards last year, two touchdowns. I think if you see a complimentary of, you know, him and Hendershot mixing in to be like the 800 yard receiver that Dalton Schultz was. Maybe he takes 60% of that and then Hendershot gets 40. I think that's a win. I just think that where things stand, you've seen him work out a lot with Dak Prescott this offseason. He's been around him a lot in the Dak yard, getting some work, but also with anything off the field, a lot of the community functions, going to Stars games specifically. I think him and Hendershot were at that one game um, that you were at, Jess. So it's like they've been doing a lot of stuff together. So clearly he's trying to be that guy that fills in the role for Dalton Schultz. And I think that's a plus. That should help him. Um, so I think overall, I think if he just comes out being the number one guy out of training camp, I think that's a win. And then everything else that comes after that, it's just icing on the cake for right now. So do you think Jake Ferguson is already tied in one now that Dalton is gone? Does he take that spot or is he still technically competing for it? I think as it stands right now, it's tight end one, but I wrote on here, like as we kind of go down the list of people that are on the Cowboys roster, I think I wouldn't be shocked if he's tight end one now. And then in training camp, Peyton Hendershot's talked about as being tight end one. And then outside of training camp, out of the preseason, Schoonmaker is tight end one or into the season. So I think there's a lot of variable, a lot of variants that will go from this position. But Mike McCarthy has talked about he likes to use a variety of the tight ends in multiple ways. So I don't think there's really, and he even mentioned this too, there really isn't a number one guy. He wants to use all of them. And I think if you split up, you know, what Dalton Schultz was as 100% in each guy, including if you include Sean McCune and get 25% of the pie, everybody wins at that point. And I think each guy presents a unique skill set. Ferguson is more of a blocking traditional tight end that has some yak ability. Um, we saw that you know, in the Super Bowl press conferences, Travis Kelsey actually mentioned Ferguson by name as somebody that he kind of is keeping an eye on for like the future of the position. So we'll see if Ferguson is a guy that is going to the tight end university uh, sort of camp that happens in the offseason with George Kittle and all these guys. I know Kyle Pitts was there, sort of like a brotherhood, and they're just invited to just learn the position, learn from other guys. So we'll see if Ferguson is a part of that. I think if he does, then you can see that there's more media buildup for him being the number one guy. 
But I do think as it stands right now, I've seen him do a lot of the work with Dak. I haven't seen Hendershot as much, which that doesn't mean anything. It could just be just that's what I'm seeing in photos and videos. Um, but I do think as it stands, he also has the fourth round pedigree where Hendershot has the undrafted free agency and the Cowboys want to put their you know drafted guys ahead of everybody else just to give them that sort of leg up and to prove that they're the guys. And then they go to somebody else afterwards. So yeah, a long way to say I do think he is number one right now, but I think that that can change as well too. I think what's going to be interesting that you're going to see this season when you're talking about Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot is them becoming their own people. Because when you think of them, you think of them together. You see, you know, Jake and and Peyton and they're like Tweedledee, Tweedledum. Oh, yeah. and they're like a two-for-one package deal, which is great. But what I really want to see from them is really strengthen their individual identities as those football players. Yes, two is better than one. We know that. That doesn't take away the fact that they can be a dynamic duo. But I really want to see Jake create his own identity outside of being in that duo. And same thing for Peyton Hendershot. Uh, I think it's important for Jake Ferguson because, again, you could never start talking about things too early with this business, but you're talking about wanting a long-term deal and you're talking about becoming that tight end one. This is the season you have to set that standard to say, Hey, I can work on my own. I can work as a team, but look what I'm capable of doing in that tight end one position, if that's what you want. But I'm also capable of being created with these other tight ends uh, and part of a group. So for me, Create your own identity and get out of kind of that dynamic duo, but make it to where people will fear you when you're on the field alone, not just both of you, if that makes any sense. Well, um, I, I was going to say really quick, I mean, that's a great point because when you think about Dalton Schultz, when he came here, Jason Witten was still, I think that was the year he came back after the broadcast booth uh, thing on ESPN. So it's like Dalton Schultz was already kind of put, you know, second would be his ceiling on the depth chart. Like he was not going to take Jason Witten's number one role because Jason Witten's a legacy player. With Dalton Schultz out of the mix, I mean, the most tenured player in the tight end position is Sean McEwen. And nobody yeah. believes that Sean McEwen is going to supersede a Ferguson or a Hendershot. So take advantage of your opportunity. This doesn't come around often where you see a established starter just walk out the door and the Cowboys didn't draft anybody in the first round that we were talking about. They took a guy that we're going to be talking about uh, in the second round. But I don't think that necessarily means that it's his job to win and then Ferguson and Hendershot have to prove themselves. So I do think that take advantage of this opportunity. It doesn't come around often. It doesn't happen much in the NFL, especially with the tight end position. When you see guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, even um, Evan Ingram in Jacksonville, like you have a lot of these established guys where they could be a true mismatch nightmare. If you can develop into that, you're already throwing yourself into a category with those type of guys. That also means the money. That also means the notoriety, all that stuff that comes along with it. And also not to mention you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys and Jason Witten was sort of the last guy to kind of really round out the tight end position to be sort of this number one guy that everybody thinks of the Cowboys Outside of Schultz, but I don't think he was ever considered to be number one, number two, number three in the NFL. Maybe even not like top seven, top eight. You can get around that nine, ten range. But the Cowboys haven't had a legitimate tight end in a long time. So if you could be that next guy, by all means, there's a lot of perks that come with that, too. I'm laughing over here uh, as Brandon is talking because Witt is having a dream. There you go. Running and he's having a blast and whatever he's dreaming about. He's dreaming about uh, Jake Ferguson stepping in to become that next tight end in Cowboys history. So I love that. Um, also wanted to add in there as well that, 
you know, it's funny how history kind of repeats itself because you think back to even Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz when they were the dynamic duo yeah. and how Blake Jarwin kind of had to exceed, uh, you know, Dalton Schultz in a way to become the starting guy, the it guy. And then, of course, the injury happened, and that's when Dalton Schultz got his shot uh, to step up and become the tight end one that he was, which was great for him. But it's just so interesting to see that you could potentially see the same kind of dynamic, hopefully not you know, with an injury involved with either one of these guys, um, but the same dynamic of who is going to step up more to kind of take that role, if you will. And um, Mike McCarthy had mentioned, too, how the tight end role is becoming just such a primary position within the NFL and how it's really changing. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, again, like you mentioned earlier, Brandon, there's not really such thing as a tight end one uh, within this team, but maybe just more of the go-to guy that you're going to be missing without a Dalton Schultz. Those numbers speak for themselves. Dak Prescott liked throwing to Dalton Schultz. We know that. That ball was a magnet to Dalton Schultz when it was coming out of uh, Dak Prescott's hands there. So, I really like that Jake has been working nonstop uh, from what we've seen, again, pictures, videos on social media with Zach Prescott to get that chemistry going. All right, next guy up, you have Peyton Hendershot. We've kind of touched base on this already, but what role do you see him having this season? Because keep in mind, Peyton Hendershot is a guy that, yes, we know is great at tight end, but again, undrafted free agent. You never count them out, and here's why. Not only, and, and we've seen this again going into this rookie class as well, is he an amazing tight end with all of the abilities that he has. We didn't even have to go through that, but people forget he has special teams ability as well. And he has rushing abilities because it's there. So you're talking a bit of a fullback situation. Sometimes when you're talking about Peyton Hendershot, it's just not utilized. It doesn't really need to be. And especially when he had an Ezekiel Elliott on the team, it didn't need to be utilized, but do you see that changing? I mean, could you see more of a fullback situation, tight end kind of mixture here with Peyton Hendershot? What role exactly do you see him having? Short yardage, the the clutch guy? I mean, there's so many different roles here that you're kind of wondering what you'll see from each guy with the losses that you saw this offseason, especially I'm talking about Zeke and Dalton here. What role do you see Peyton having within this offense? To me, he is the ultimate wild card for this position group. And I think because being an undrafted free agent, of course, you know, he wasn't taken in the draft. The Cowboys clearly saw something where they wanted to bring him in. And he really made a name for himself in training camp. And, of course, in the preseason, he had a really good uh, preseason. And I think the Cowboys were smart to keep him. He showed a lot of flashes of being a dynamic pass catcher for the offense. And to me, he creates so many different mismatches because of his body type. I mean, you mentioned he had the end around in the Thanksgiving game where he's quick, you know, for his size and everything. He's not that traditional tight end from yesteryear of like a Jason Witten or Jake uh, Ferguson, where they're a little bit bigger, you know, more stout, uh, maybe not as big of a deep threat, but somebody who can just kind of get in short yardage, middle of the field, just reliable hands, stuff like that. And also really good as a run blocker. But Peyton Hendershot is sort of not that. He's lean, sort of this flex wide out tight end, uh, similar to what you had uh, in like a, um, a Luke Musgrave in the draft, somebody that the Cowboys were connected to. And somebody that I think that you saw a couple high, I wrote down highlighted games for Jake Ferguson being, you know, both Giants games, of course, the, the Thanksgiving game. And there was one other, I forget which one it was, but for Peyton Hendershot, he didn't really have his chance like he had 11 receptions 103 yards two touchdowns he really only saw the field a lot more when uh, Dalton Schultz was out missing with injury so 
I think for him, he showed a great wheel route against Jacksonville that, of course, Dak uh, got him in, in the end zone with. Um, and I think that you just saw him in a, a variety of ways used all over the offense. So I think he would be somebody that Mike McCarthy could utilize from what I've been hearing from listening to different podcasts. Brian Broaddus has talked about this not only on the break, but also his love of the star podcast where he said that the coaches really, really love Peyton Hendershot. So I do think that whatever his role is, it's something that they might even keep under wraps maybe until training camp and preseason in season. But he, to me is the, the ultimate wild card, wild card because he is just a dynamic pass catching threat that if he kind of bulks up, you know, we always see that these rookies, this year two, year three jump where they hit the weight room at a pro style, uh, you know, weight room, um, their bodies adjust to the NFL level and they bulk up, they beef up. So I'd be interested to see, you know, with OTAs this week, how does Peyton Hendershot look? Um, what is he, you know, doing in the offense? Like I said, I haven't seen him as much on social media work with Dak, but that does not mean by any means he's not working with Dak. I just think that if it's something that the coaching staff wants to keep secret, we might not see it right away, but don't count out him having a little bit more of an impact uh, than somebody like a Jake Ferguson, you know, as we get to midseason. Yeah, and I think for Peyton, it's so unfortunate because I felt like he was kind of caged in last season to yeah. where he wasn't utilized enough. You didn't get to see what he was capable of. You saw glimmers, you saw glimpses, but you didn't actually get to see him at full force Peyton Hendershot. And so what I really am excited for this season to see with him is how Mike McCarthy, because we keep hearing Mike McCarthy loves using tight ends in creative ways. He's He makes them versatile. And again, that's just the theme of this offseason is versatility uh, when it comes to all positions. So I'm interested to see what exactly he is going to do. I, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if he's your red zone guy because without Zeke, again, these are all gaps that need to be filled, whether it's within your tight end room, your running back room. But I think Peyton is a really good option here if you're looking for a red zone guy that is going to get you those points when you're in the red zone because, again, you're missing that and the short yardage situation with Zeke. And it's so interesting now how this tight end position is kind of – in the same conversation as the running back position, just yeah. again, we're talking about versatility. They kind of tie in together hand in hand now. And um, so I'm all that to say, I'm just very excited to see what exactly Peyton can do because we haven't seen, I think full force Peyton Hendershot yet. So uh, same thing goes for him. I want to see him create his own identity uh, and full force. And I want to see what he's capable of and uh, the prime time Peyton Hendershot. I'm talking December football Peyton Hendershot and to see how much he's able to grow under somebody like Mike McCarthy who has a track record of uh, creating successful tight ends within his offensive schemes. So let's move on there because we have talked a lot about Henny and Ferg here uh, the last few minutes. Last, yeah. Last well, few and minutes. I was going to say really quick, I know one of the questions on here was if he's going to be the number two tight end and we'll transition into the next guy, but to me, the one thing he really has to clean up is his catching. You know, we saw the interception uh, with against the Tennessee Titans where a ball went off his hands and it was intercepted. And you don't want that to be yeah, sort of what you're known for, where you're not a reliable pass catcher. Because outside of that, like I said, he's really not that great of a run blocker because just of his size, he needs to bulk up a little bit more. He's willing to do it. But compared to him and Ferguson, Ferguson's the more well-established run blocker because he went to Wisconsin. You know, they always are a run-heavy team, especially also with the next guy. So very quickly, I mean, he could be the number two because he has a little bit more tenure, but 
if he starts having a little bit of a hiccup in training camp where he's dropping passes, not really reliable, Dak has shown that he'll go away from you. If you're not going to be a reliable target, Dak will go to somebody else because he just he needs to be able to orchestrate this offense the way he wants. And if he's very favorable with the tight ends, if you're not reliable, you'll be quickly uh, down the depth chart. So I think that if he cleans that up, of course, he'll probably be more of a number two. But if he doesn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he's further down too. Yeah, so I think going into training camp and all of that, that's why you hear a lot of the term the second-year jump, right? And, you know, it's who can handle the pressure of the competition because really you talk about guys in their first season, especially when you're talking about an undrafted free agent, they're going in with a chip on their shoulder, even more so something to prove, and you have to work extra hard. You have to be the hardest-working guy in that room to show, hey, I'm undrafted, but I – I'm, I deserve to be on that 53, right? So he already did that hurdle. So to keep that mentality of being the hardest worker in the room and not, like you said, have any hiccups during this time and not give any doubt that he deserves to be in that spot, I think there's a little added pr- uh, pressure in this offseason for somebody like Peyton Hendershot with the new draft class and Definitely. just the rookie class in general because you're talking about more undrafted free agents that have abilities to again strengthen that room as a whole. So not that I don't I don't look, he's going to make the 53. I'm not worried about that in any way shape or form obviously. But I'm just saying to be more uh integrated and to be utilized more, I think again, that's where the pressure uh is put on there, which yeah, great transition because you're talking about a guy that could come in and he did come in. He's going to shake things up a little bit when it comes to that tight end two position um, for Peyton Hendershot um, because you're talking about Luke Schoonmaker. And I'm so excited. The more and more I study this guy, the more I see of him, the more it just makes sense. I'm starting to see the vision of what Mike McCarthy is wanting with this offense when you have him as an addition uh, on there already. So, my entire thing about Luke Schoonmaker is, yes, we're going to go back to this whole lecture. He wasn't the popular choice by the public, but he was a smart choice yeah. by Mike McCarthy uh, and the scouting department. So big shout out to them for that. So, Brandon, I'm going to go to you for this first. What is the immediate impact somebody like Schoon can come in and make? I would say immediately it would be in run blocking because he showed a willingness and a successful willingness to be a dominant run blocker at the tight end position. He comes from Michigan, of course, where, you know, you look at the stats and everything about him from college. They don't jump off the page as somebody that, you know, they would show that I think he only had about 600 some yards in college total. I think his final year he had about 400 yards. So people would say, well, how is he going to replace Dalton Schultz who had 800 yards? Well, I think immediately if they want to go with somebody like a Ferguson or a Henner shot to be the pass catching guy, Schoonmaker is a great run blocker. Uh, Blake Corum, the running back for Michigan, had over 1,400 yards last season running the ball, and I believe Michigan was awarded as one of, uh, being one of the best offensive lines in the country. And you have to remember, he's a part of that. You know, Lunda Wells talked about how he is coming from a pro-style system where they already know a lot of concepts on how to work with offensive tackles at the pro level. You know, Jim Harbaugh's running that offense and, and running that team, so he's very familiar. He was with them for a long time. He's an older player. You know, he was with them for four seasons, didn't come out early, but he's going to be 25 midseason, so he has a lot of experience, a lot of football intelligence, and that's something that Mike McCarthy talked about where he's a very smart player. 
And you have to be if you want to be able to to be a, a dominant run blocker. So I think immediately that's where his role starts. And then if they want to throw him into the offense in more of a pass catch, catching role, he's shown flashes of that where I think in college he was very limited based off, off the offense he was a part of. But I think it'll translate a lot better to the pro style. Um, and I think, you know, we saw the Panini uh, rookie, you know, thing that they did in California. He was out there with, of course, Deuce Vaughn. The size difference between the two of them was Kind of hilarious, but in in a in a jo- in a joking way. But he picked number eighty six, and I think that he would fill the role very well uh, with what was left by Dalton Schultz. So um, I think that you know it works. He's a very similar type of player in size, ability, but I think he kind of comes in immediately better than what Dalton Schultz was as a rookie because he just he he comes from more of a pro style. You could see a lot more things be translatable, whereas Schultz had to develop his game a little bit more. I think Schoomaker. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the second guy out of training camp. Again, like if if Hendershot can't really cut it and and they're willing to put Schoomaker ahead, again, he's a second-round pick. The Cowboys value draft position with these guys. And I think Schoomaker is a perfect combination of what you have in Ferguson and in Hendershot. You know, it's sort of like those two guys make up one tight end, but Schoomaker is like a mix of both of what they have in skill set where he's a willing and able run blocker but also a dynamic pass catcher. So it'll be interesting to see where Mike McCarthy wants to use him. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it next because I have just one little point to make about that. But yeah, I would say immediately probably run blocking. And then if you can sprinkle them in, in the past game, I think that would be ideal, but probably more mid season to late season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. My question is, okay, I'm going to veer off our little script here for a second, Brandon. You just mentioned he could potentially come for that tight end two position. Mm-hmm. In, is there a chance where even just during training camp, he comes for the tight end one position and you see Jake Ferguson fall to that tight end two position? And that's not a, a knock to Jake. It's just, again, competition from this rookie class is going to be very stiff in multiple positions. We'll talk about it uh, in this series as we go on. But is that a possibility, and how how likely do you see that being a possibility? I think it could be a real possibility because if you go back and listen to the secret audio, and this is the point I was going to bring up, if you go back and listen to the secret audio, when Mike McCarthy got the phone, like he turned around and like whispered to Schoon, he was like, you know, you are exactly what we were looking for at the tight end position. Like you fit our offense perfectly. It just seemed like Mike McCarthy was glowing about Schoonmaker and what he could be in this offense. So I think Mike McCarthy might have had his name circled as somebody that you know they they want. Wanted Sam Laporta, it seemed like, as to be their tight end one if he fell to them. But I think Schoonmaker is very comparable 
to what Laporta had. Not maybe as much of a dynamic pass catcher, but somebody, again, Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball. He's a dominant run blocker, maybe the best run blocking tight end out of the entire class. So I think Mike McCarthy loves him. And if that kind of just shows like if he's going to be just a little bit better or equal to a Ferguson and a Hendershot, I think he'll be the number one guy. Cause if Mike McCarthy feels comfortable with what he can provide again, it, he's a more established player, a veteran college player. He might just know that he's more business you know, oriented, just kind of, you know, uh, ready to step in day one, work with Dak. And we'll see, we'll see that this week in OTAs. If he is working with the ones, that's a pretty good indicator of how not only the coaching staff feels, but maybe how Dak feels about him. We know that the coaching staff and Dak, you know, he talked about wide receivers and pass catchers that he he was given tape for, you know, when it comes to the draft and maybe finding a guy like he did with Jalen Tolbert last year. Maybe he was giving tight end tape too, you know, and Dak got his perspective on, you know, what tight end he was thinking about. Maybe Dak, you know, liked uh, Schoonmaker coming out of college. So if we start to see that chemistry develop, I would not be shocked if coming out of training camp, Schoonmaker is the number one guy. I also, and that's, that's all such good points there as, as always, you know. Uh, we try, we try. Just the genius that Brandon is. But I also really appreciate just hearing him talk about studying Jason Witten. Again, you just talked about that. Yeah. was really the last staple of your tight end room because you're talking about a guy that, you know, is just a once in a lifetime player in Jason Witten, whether it be, you know, his production as a tight end or a leader or the guy he was off the field. Jason Witten just all around the epitome of what a Dallas Cowboy is. And again, once in a lifetime player. So for me, what I really appreciated is Schoonmaker's initiative to come in and study somebody like Jason Witten to automatically set his bar that high to say, I want to be like that yeah. because that's important. I mean, mentality is, is so important for these guys to come in and, you know, he could just sit there and say, Hey, I just want to be tight end one. That wasn't good enough. No, no. He said, I'm going to study Jason Witten, study what he does, reach out to him, get some advice. And hopefully, you know, you can see those two create like a mentorship bond um, at some point there, um, which I'm very curious to hear about. But Overall, I just appreciate the initiative he's already taking to shoot the bar higher than he needs to, really. When you're thinking about a rookie uh, in this draft class, he's shooting the bar pretty high there. And so, you know what? Again, we're talking about all the competitions that you're going to be seeing throughout this offseason. That's one that I think is going to fly under the radar just a little bit because of the other ones that are happening, but definitely one to keep an eye on there. All right, let's move on to Sean McEwen, who this is his fourth season. Uh, keep that in mind as we're talking about this. Overall, just a guy that you don't really hear much about, and when you do, he's productive. That's what I appreciate about him is that the productivity is there, but is it just a lack of chances? Is the competition just been a little too stiff for him to get you know more touches on the ball, essentially? What does he have to do to kind of step up and be more involved with the tight end play. It's really tough because I think a lot of things are going against him with, you know, the Cowboys drafting a tight end. They have two guys that showed flashes last year. So, you know, if Hendershot didn't really make the team, he was on the practice squad and it was just Ferguson and Dalton Schultz, I would say, okay, you know, I would say it's a tie and kind of see for that third roster spot of Sean McEwen and Peyton Hendershot. But unfortunately, I think if the coaching staff loves Hendershot, the potential, they have the draft capital with Ferguson, and then they just drafted Schoonmaker, 
he's sort of on the outside looking in. And Mike McCarthy has mentioned Sean McCune before. Again, when he came here in 2020, Sean McCune is something that they brought in in undrafted free agency. Somebody that has stuck around with everything that's happened with the tight end position. He's still here, whether it was practice squad or actually making the 53 and, you know, coming in uh, a certain you know spot duty when it comes to the run game. He would, you know, be in the pass game every now and then, but his stats certainly don't reflect him being an important part of the offense. And I think you can, you know, we don't have to give Seth Green his own category. I know we were talking about him this entire time. And listen, I give anybody who makes it to the NFL a lot of credit. He certainly has been around. It's only his second season, I believe. So he, he hasn't been around long. But um, I do think with Seth Green and Sean McCune, it really is like everything is stacked against him, not only in the tight end room, but you also think about the back end of the 53-man of the roster. You have maybe a fourth running back, whether that's, uh, an actual running back or a fullback that he could be competing with. It could be another defensive lineman. Maybe it's another linebacker like a Jabril Cox, a secondary player. So not only are you going to have to try and break through your own position group, but you have to break through the entire roster as a whole and make yourself stand out. So what does that mean? That means special teams. You need to stand out on special teams. They lost Luke Gifford. So if you want to be that you know big body guy on special teams, you need to show a willingness and able uh, an ability to tackle. And if Sean McCune proves to be a, a core special teams player, then I believe he'll be on the roster and same uh, with Seth Green. But I just think it is crazy to think about them being, at least with Sean McCune, the longest tenured player at the position. But that just shows you how young and how much potential there is for this entire group to grow. But we've seen Sean McCune hang out with Dak, you know, uh, at all these events, the Faith, Faith Fight Finish Foundation, you know, had something recently. It was Lunda Wells, uh, Jake Ferguson, Seth Green, and Sean McCune were there. So clearly... Everybody gets along in this room. I don't think anybody feels like that the competition is too much for them. I think they all embrace it. And, you know, you also want to look at that both of these guys, if they're going to be having a great training camp, they don't make it past training camp, their tape is going to be out there for everybody else. So just have a productive camp with the Cowboys. You can flash in the preseason because they might want to sit a Ferguson or a Hendershot, uh, and then you get a lot more chances, a lot more opportunity. But Mike McCarthy has talked about Sean McEwen on numerous uh, numerous occasions. You know, he always says the names, and then immediately he corrects himself. He's like, oh, and, and Sean McEwen as well. So he's definitely not forgotten. And he's been with Mike McCarthy since the beginning. So maybe he is his guy where it's like, you know, you've been with me since the beginning. I'm going to keep you here for as long as possible. Well, and I also think an important part of the conversation when you're talking about Sean is him and Schoonmaker are very close friends. They have, they have a, a good brotherhood already going on. Yeah. So Sean has, um, and, and, you know, Schoon talked about this in, in um, rookie minicamp last week, and you can go back and, and watch that video on YouTube. But he talked about how, how um, Sean has kind of mentored him up until this point and has been really helpful. So you're talking about, you know, dynamic duos. I would not be surprised with all the offseason work that Sean McEwen has been putting in with Dak Prescott, the conversations he's having with Schoon. What if you see another dynamic duo and you just have four horsemen of dynamic duos here? That would be so cool uh, uh, to see. Yeah. I mean, really, that like... And you're talking about Mike McCarthy, who's just said multiple times he likes to get creative with tight ends. He's uh, changing up the offensive scheme. And, and of course, he's not changing it a lot. But I think one of those changes that you're going to see is utilizing the tight end room you have a lot more. And I think if anybody is going to give Sean the shot to be more utilized, it's going to be Mike McCarthy. So. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him this season more than you have in previous seasons. Um, but 
overall, I just think Sean works hard and, and deserves the opportunities that he gets. And he's never once just taken them for granted. You can tell anytime he gets on the field, like I said, he's productive. Um, but again, I think the tight end room as a whole last season just was not utilized to the full extent uh, that it can be. And then going to Seth Green, you talk about, you know, the the importance of special teams. What is so interesting to see is just how many guys came into this rookie draft class with all of these special teams abilities and proven track records of them. So you're talking about a special teams that was already good last season and productive that now just got a new dose of competition, not just within each other, but with the veterans that are in special teams already. So the special teams competitions in general is going to just be insane to yeah. watch uh, this offseason. I, I honestly don't think anybody's job is secured on special teams where it stands with this rookie class. And then you have guys that are hungry, like Seth Green, for for wanting a roster spot, who's been there, who wants to work for it, who's seen it. Um, so yeah, again, I don't count any undrafted free agent out of anything. I don't count Seth Green out. I don't count anybody out of the conversation because whoever wants it more, who's going to show up every day, who's going to give 110%, that's who's going to get it. Um, and it could be Seth Green. Who knows? Maybe we're talking about it uh, in, in a few months and Seth Green comes out of nowhere uh, and shocks us all. But to that point, too, you can't have enough depth in yeah. any position, right? I mean, we always talk about that with cornerback. That was that was a big conversation we heard last season and that we'll continue to talk about for the rest of really forever. But I think with tight ends, if you're going to utilize them more, you have to be weary of the conversations of there's going to be more wear and tear on bodies. You have to have other guys ready to go with that next man up mentality. And I think Seth Green could potentially be that next guy up obviously, uh, if something were to happen with one of the guys there. So, again, never count them out. I think um, that tight end room as a whole is just so strong. And they cover so many different aspects. Right, yeah. The four horsemen. It's just insane to think what a strong group this team has. And you're not really used to talking about a strong group when it comes to tight ends because, again, you always had the it guy like Jason Witten, and that was your group, was the one guy. And now you're seeing it transform to become just a whole room and what these different guys can bring. So I'm really excited uh, to see what they bring this season. Yeah, and I do think that when it comes to Seth Green, and we'll kind of get into our overall grade, but – for him, I mean, he was on the practice squad when Dalton Schultz got hurt. The, the Cowboys signed him to the practice squad, and then he was cut in December, and then they clearly saw something in him enough to bring him back on a futures deal. So I think that also bodes well to them, you know, for him where, listen, if you don't make the 53-man roster, you were already on the practice squad. The Cowboys have shown that they want to almost hit as many positions as possible with their practice squad, especially with vested veterans and everything, where it protects them so that if somebody does go down midseason with injury, you don't have to go to the street and find somebody who's a vet that you're gonna have to teach the offense and all these things no no you have a guy on your practice squad just call him up and he already knows the playbook he's been with you throughout the entire offseason so I think for Seth Green it's important for him to be here and understand and maybe this is what's already been talked about listen you know if you prove yourself you might only get a roster spot uh if you're battling Sean McEwen for that but you know you can make a name for yourself and get on the practice squad this way you're here we trust you we trust that you're going to be a reliable guy and the fact that he is hanging out and doing all these things with not only the rest of the position group but with the quarterback just it's like when you're an intern you know in a new job you want you might not be there full-time you might not get a full-time job afterwards but you want to make connections make yourself known make them know your name know your face 
And if he's doing that with the quarterback, that carries a lot of weight when it comes down to getting people not only on the 53-man roster, but practice squad for Dak to say, no, no, like we we need to keep this guy around. I trust him. He might not be on, on the 53 and break the position group, but if we keep him around, he's solid depth and somebody that we can kind of rely on midseason if, you know, he, he sticks around. Absolutely. And again, you just cannot have enough of those bodies ready to go oh, yeah. uh, if something happens, especially with the tight end group, which we keep talking about. McCarthy is going to utilize and he's going to use them. So the more the merrier. And uh, I, I'm just really excited for them. So that leads us to overall, what grade are you giving this tight end room for now? And again, we can change these grades uh, at the end of the, the season, but as of right now, what is your grade for the tight end room? I'm going B to start, and I think that that's pretty solid. I, I mentioned how, you know, with, with Dalton Schultz leaving, there is a little bit of uncertainty with these guys stepping in. You know, we haven't really seen it. I think B is very generous. I think a lot of people, scouts and everybody, would, would give it more of a C just because, again, Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson were, were getting limited snaps last year. It's not like that one of them had – 400 yards and Dalton Schultz had five and you're looking at wow he was really when Dalton Schultz went down Dak relied on him he's going for 100 yards back and forth you know multiple games we don't have any of that this year so I do think where it stands it's a B but I think that there's a few things it what one it can become an A I think if somebody like you mentioned separates themselves where it's no longer the dynamic duo but you really have one guy become the number one person whether it's Schoonmaker Hendershot or Ferguson I think that will take it and elevate it to the next level but I also look at it's a B that could become a hit in A because you're not having anybody else come from the outside. Like this position group is not going to change going into training camp unless they absolutely need to sign people because of injury or just nobody's really cutting it. But as it stands, this position group is one of the most solidified position groups on the entire team. You don't have to worry about it. You know what you're getting with, with this group as of right now, what their, what their floor is. You just need to now figure out the ceiling. Where can it go? Can it be an 800-yard receiver like you had in Dalton Schultz last year? Or is it going to be a thing where you have a combination of all three making up 800 yards? So you need to figure that out. But I think the ultimate X factor in this is like we keep talking about Dan Quinn being a reliable, co- a reliable coach, somebody that the Cowboys just trust wholeheartedly, fans trust wholeheartedly. Lunda Wells has earned all of my trust. He has developed these guys into great, great tight ends. He, the way he talks, and the, not only the way he dresses, he dresses like phenomenally. Cowboy hat, all that, like they say, the drip is is on point. Um, but I do think that for him. He coaches these guys really hard, really well, and I think it's somebody that that the Cowboys know when you have all this youth and inexperience on the team, the coach makes the ultimate X factor and can be the ultimate outlier in this situation. And the fact that you have somebody who's really good, knows the position, um, can really help out, I think that that's, that's fantastic. And I think that it'll ex- expedite the growth of a lot of these young guys, and you're going to see a lot more from the tight end room, like you talked about, Jess, that maybe was underutilized last year, but... I think for the first time in forever, this position group that usually goes unnoticed is going to be exciting. It's going to be great to see the tight end group, you know, in training camp. We're watching the tight end position to see who shakes out to be the number one guy. Not only that, but it's also the probably the tightest group on the entire team uh, outside of maybe like the running back position of last year where all these guys get along seemingly. Nobody is letting anything kind of get in the way of the overall success of the room. Everybody's cheering each other on. So I think that also bodes well for the entire group. I just think... It's a great position the Cowboys are in, especially losing a number one guy like Schultz. I think as it stands, you couldn't ask for something better. And the ceiling is unknown. It could be 
close to the floor, or it could be, you know, sky's the limit for them, and we'll see what happens. But I think it's it's definitely exciting, and I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in training camp. Yeah, Tyrant Group is uh, a group that I think I'm the most excited about, if, yeah. if I'm yeah. being honest, um, just because of all the potential uh, that you saw from them already last season. But I can't just live off of potential. I have to see action. Um, and, and it does make me nervous losing Dalton Schultz. I know um, he's a guy that, again, I think was just so underappreciated for all that he's contributed. And so for that, um, my grade is going to be a B minus one, um, just because without that veteran guy and that veteran guy being Sean McCune, who's really looking to be your third, maybe fourth tight end in the group there, it makes me a little bit nervous that you're putting the hands of your tight end group in second year players, really. And yeah, if not yeah. a, a rookie, right, it, it makes me nervous, even though they were great and they exceed, exceeded expectations as rookies. It's a different ballpark when you're talking about exceeding expectations as a veteran. Now, um, I think they're more than capable and I'm so freaking excited to see uh, how they do that. But it just makes me nervous in general, because, again, you're going from learning the ropes and being the little brother to being the big brother and teaching, you know, the, the ropes to the new guy and, Really, we're talking about the competition here within this tight end room. Nobody's job is ever safe. Nobody's job is ever secure. So it will just be so interesting to see how the dynamics change within that room and where they end up landing. So um, more than anything, I'm just excited to see how McCarthy's going to utilize them. Like I will die on this hill saying uh, that they <laughs> just were not utilized enough last season. Um and maybe it was for the better. Maybe it was so that way they could come out healthy this next season and uh, really absolutely kill it um, in, in whatever aspects they're going to be working in. And um, we'll get into other positions, you know, as the weeks continue on. But like I said, I think what is interesting is this new tie between the running back position and the tight end room, just in general with the the key players that you lost over the off season. So yeah, to see how these guys fill in the big shoes that they have to fill is is going to be interesting, and it's also going to be exciting. Well, and you brought up, and I was just thinking through the roster and everything. When you look at every position group, and we'll get into each one like you mentioned, but we talked about quarterbacks. You know, you have a Dak Prescott, you have a Cooper Rush, guys who have been around, who've seen a lot. Running backs, Tony Pollard, wide receiver, Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball. Demarcus Lawrence for the defensive line. You have at linebacker Leighton Vander Esch. In the secondary, you have Stephon Gilmore. You have J. Ron Curse. The tight end position might be the youngest on the roster and the most inexperienced. So I think the B minus is perfectly okay. I said probably some people might give it a C because of that inexperience. You don't know what you're getting. So I think that is well said on, on your point because I, I keep thinking about, you know, everybody has their sort of leader. And if Sean McEwen's the leader, you know, again, the production doesn't match the experience. So where does that leave the other guys? And that's that's the unknown. It makes it exciting. It also makes it nervous. Uh, you know, it's like skydiving. It's like when you do it the first time, it's fun. And, you know, you probably get a lot out yeah. of it. Um, but on the way up, you're like, you don't know what you're going to get. Is it going to be an anvil coming out of the parachute bag or is it going to be a parachute? Right. Here, you, know? Uh, you, know? <laughs> you know what? I hope it's a parachute every single time. Um, and that is why I will stay on the ground. Um, always, I will not be doing that. But well, And one, one last oh, thing I wanted to say is the Dark Horse storyline that I'm trying to cover all the bases, something where it's like if it catches everybody's surprise, at least we talk about it on this podcast first. 
could there be a battle between Hendershot and Ferguson for a roster spot, and then the other person is off the roster? Like if it would be Schoonmaker, Hendershot, Hendershot uh, or Ferguson, and then Sean McCune as the third guy? Don't I don't, do I don't know, that, Brandon. Don't do that. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing don't it out there it. this way. When don't. we're not, we're we're not shocked <laughs> if it happens, and everybody yeah. can say, "Oh, well, Brandon's the Debbie Downer. He predicted this is gonna happen." Fine, put it on me. Whatever. I'm just Please. saying it. It could be possible. We don't know. Yeah, no, and like I just said, nobody's spot is solidified. Yeah. Whether you, we think it is or not, again, we don't actually know the conversations going on, and we don't see the practices. We don't get to get to know that that kind of information. So. You know what? It very well could be a thing that uh, Sean McEwen has his breakout season. Yeah. Seth Green, uh, Schoonmaker. I mean, those could be your, your top three. You just never know. And and that's, again, the mystery and, and what makes you nervous and excited with talking about a newer group and a younger group is you just don't know. Because, you know, what I worry about is, and that's why we were talking about earlier, was how much, what is production for a second season compared to a first season? It's yeah. just very different. Uh, and that's why every time a player goes into the second season, you always hear the question, what does the second year jump mean to you? But I really think with what we saw from this tight end group and just the potential and how much has yet to be unlocked, that's why I feel so secure in them because I know that Jake and Peyton both had such great seasons as rookies and that was with them being underutilized. Yeah. So imagine the success they could have had, you know, being utilized in in a appropriate way. But yeah, I, I'm sticking to my B minus because I'm really excited about this group. It might might be the youngest group in in the room, but dang, is it an exciting one? And that's what makes it fun. I mean, man, they they are really creating a new Cowboys legacy for that tight end room, which is really exciting because you think Cowboys tight end, you think Jason Witten uh, in, in recent days. So it's it's time for a new era, if you will. We are out of our Dalton Schultz era. So it's time for a four horseman era and uh, to be determined what order the horses come out in. I mean, we just don't know yet. We don't know. But the, 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 the four horsemen typically bring the apocalypse. So I hope that's uh, not the case here in Dallas where uh, sky's falling. But, you know, maybe it's a good apocalypse. I know. Look, they're not bringing the apocalypse to Dallas. They're bringing it to the opposing. Defense. Okay. All right. Spin it that way. I'm, I'm yeah. happier. I'm happier with that. Um, and I think, you know, you brought up that Jason Moot was like the last time we were excited. Uh, for me, it would be the mythical make-believe thought of Rico Gathers developing in, into an, an Antonio Gates. Uh, that was the last time I was this excited. So we don't have that situation. We have great guys, great locker room, um, and it's definitely exciting. Yeah, and um, with all of that, all good things have to come to an end, sadly, uh, meaning we are to the end of our episode this week. But, Brandon, if people want to just go tweet you and give you different scenarios about the apocalypse, where can they do that? Yeah, people want to correct me and maybe give me an example of a good apocalypse. You know, maybe apocalypse gets a bad rap. You know, it's uh, why why does it have to be bad? Why can't it be good? Um, so you could do that at, at Brandon is right. And that's W-R-I-T-E. You can, of course, follow me there. And then with everything coming out, of course, with the OTAs and the mini camp. And then before you know, it, we'll be into training camp. It's always good to follow everybody here at BTB. Um, and especially if, if any of us can make it out to, to training camp, that would be also exciting as well, too. So, uh, yeah, like I said, if Apocalypse gets a bad rap, let me know. I, I'm really here uh, to learn and, and learn more about uh, maybe changing my mind on that. I mean, what did zombies ever do to you? Yeah, like, that's what I'm that's saying. That's my question. Yeah. I, they didn't do anything to you, I would hope. I mean, no. have they? No, not okay. at all. Okay, 
I, I feel like I should have asked you before I just assumed. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you ever want to reach out and tweet me, I'm at Jastinbars underscore on Twitter. I appreciate Taylor Swift lyrics, cute dog pictures, and good Mexican food uh, suggestions in the DFW area. Always appreciate that. And Sharpay. Uh, and Sharpay. Sharpay Evans, my yep. spirit animal. I mean, I, I think about this a lot to where, you know, who were like the Keystone people your mount rushmore who i am my yeah. mount rushmore of people right sharpay evans has to be on there i mean there's just no way i grew up such a high school musical nerd i still know all the dances uh and i will unapologetically admit that only because it's such a party trick to put on a high school musical song and just bust out the dances not ashamed great movies the first one is still the best but um i i think she's my spirit animal and and i'm okay with that I, I I'm cool with it. I'm all I'm all I'm, good with uh, it. I'm I'm happy for you. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Well, and I I think her style. It's her style. The pink, the sparkly, all, all the things. The dog. Right? The dog. Yeah. Except I have I have two uh, over here that are asleep yeah. because Brandon and I are recording this super late. Yeah. Uh, but good news for you. you: get to wake up and listen to it when it is out. So with that, everybody, have a great rest of your day. Uh, whenever you decide to listen to this, please continue to stay safe. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And as always, go Cowboys. 